Hello and welcome to the Keep Northern Ireland Beautiful podcast. In this edition, we're going to be talking to Stephen Agnew from Renewables NI about renewable energy, funny enough. Uh, it is a big topic at the minute within Northern Ireland. Um, there is currently a big consultation which has just happened with the Department for Economy and of course, obviously with COP26 coming up as well, uh, renewables are very much at the focus of uh, of how we tackle the climate emergency. So Stephen, you're very welcome to the Keep Northern Ireland Beautiful podcast. Thank you very much, David. Happy to be here. Good. Okay, so, so just want start off with the parameters, right? So renewable energy why is it something we need to be focusing on why is it something that really in northern ireland we should be embracing well hopefully we're at the stage now i think certainly most people are where we accept climate change is is something that's happening it is caused by uh, human activity um and it's something we we absolutely have to do something about and i think in the last couple of years in particular uh, i think there's been a greater urgency since the paris agreement um, and the last ipcc report you know we, we we've had greta thunberg we've had david attenborough we, we i think what we've had people finally and it's something we've lacked in the movement people who've told the story well you know there there is obviously something captivating about greta thunberg's school strikes um, that, that captured the imagination and, and obviously David Attenborough has been a great storyteller mm-hmm. for years and, and, and sort of finally in a way he's been really kind of talking about climate change and it's hard to say why but something's finally clicked that we went wow this is happening we've seen the heat wave recently in, in uh, North America and um, we've seen the, the, the fires in Australia you know it, it not only are people saying the planet's burning but we're, we're watching it burn so you know all these things have combined and people are really going we need to do something and the latest evidence is we really need to move over these next 10 years one of the big success stories in decarbonization so if, if we look at heat and transport mm-hmm. we're really only at the beginning of the journey of decarbonizing those sectors but the power sector the electricity sector um, we, we, we've, we've got the technology, it's proven, it's shown to work. And in Northern Ireland um, in 2020, we were at nearly 50% renewable electricity. Um, uh, we did a, Renewable NI did a, a report with a company called Beringa that showed in the, in the past 20 years, we've reduced power sector emissions by about nine megatons, um, which is, uh, I suppose to put it in, the, in some perspective, it's like the equivalent if we just switched off all electricity for two years that's what we would have saved so we we saved two years worth of carbon um uh, over the past 20 years the 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 bad news is we need to do more and we need to do it faster and 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 that's really the message for the next kind of 10 years yeah i mean one of the things that really i'm doing some prep (coughs) for the podcast one of the things that really jumped out at me was that 50 percent figure um, I'm, I'm amazed. I would have thought we would have been a bit lower in terms of in terms of how we're doing. So, where, where predominantly are those renewables coming from? What what is it that Northern Ireland is? Because I often we often hear in the sector, well, Northern Ireland is one of the best places in the world for some of these things. So, what 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 are those sectors? Um, so, I mean, eighty five percent of our renewable generation is onshore wind. So it's it, it's largely large scale wind farms. Although Northern Ireland has been more successful than other regions in, in developing smaller scale. So as as, as well as I, I suppose I always say, larger scale is the, the the way of getting the 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 most electricity um, at the cheapest cost for consumers. But there, there's also a, a kind of twin, um, I, I I suppose policy goal of of 
uh, democratizing energy so we we used to have three power stations and um, we now have over twenty three thousand generators in northern ireland so power is now becoming something you have farmers you have people at home you know with solar panels and um, we're, we're all to some extent becoming um power generators so you know it it, it said it's largely been on, on onshore wind we do have a, a, a significant solar capacity and then some kind of biomass hydro and things like that make up a, a much smaller proportion and and in terms of location it, it it's largely been across the north coast and the west um because that's where the highest wind speeds are um and and you know the upside for that is me historically it's always been uh, you know somebody former politician politicians from the west always crying out we never get any investment well uh, the renewables have delivered that investment to the north and the west and um you know uh, really they will be the ones who maximize the benefits they're also the host communities so mm -hmm. um you know and, and and we know there is opposition to wind of course and there's no point me denying that um but but you know we we would say as as, as an area of the country that's been crying out for investment for decades don't turn it away when it comes yeah absolutely and the other thing that really uh, struck with me i mean was the amount of jobs that it creates as well so um i think there's more than two thousand um yeah in, in renewable electricity alone there, there's there's about two thousand jobs um we, we actually suspect that's a bit of an underestimate and we're, we're working with kpmg to to, to really kind of drill into those figures um and, and hoping to have the report on that later this year but um the department estimates overall in kind of low carbon technologies there, there's about five and a half thousand jobs that's department for economy i should say um but saying in renewable electricity alone what we represent as renewable ni it's um it, it's just over two thousand jobs okay and obviously you you were talking there about northern ireland um has made some good strides but it needs to go faster um how how, how can it do that yeah so i mean um, unfortunately we because we almost did too well so our target was for 40 percent renewables by 2020 it became clear in about 2017 that we were going to hit that and and there was almost a stepping back um in in terms of trying to incentivize it's like we're going to meet our target why do more well the reason being there was after 2020 um, and we're now in that period and that that policy gap has meant we haven't connected any new large-scale renewables in the last two years and that's really disappointing when everywhere else it's ramping up so we do risk going from leaders to laggards um where we're, we we've just come out of the consultation period on a new energy strategy and and really what we're we're calling for in that is is to set a target of, of a zero carbon power system. We hear a lot about net zero, 2050, 2045 mm -hmm. perhaps, um, but power is gonna to have to do, because we're the sector that's moved the fastest, we're going to have to decarbonize first. So what we want is a target to say, this is when we're going to get a net zero power system. And we believe we can do that by 2035. The Committee on Climate Change has said that's when the UK needs to get to that stage. And indeed the International Energy Agency mm -hmm. has said all advanced economies need to be at net zero power by 2035. So we'd like to see that ambition set for, for Northern Ireland. Then, I suppose, how do you achieve it once you've set the target? The, the, the main instrument that's been used in the UK is the Contracts for Difference scheme. And it essentially acts as a price guarantee. If, if the, the electricity price go above 
the the, the kind of agreed price, the strike price, what it's called, as it's called. Um, if the the market price goes above that, the generators mm-hmm. pay back. Um, but if it goes below that, there, there, there's essentially then a, a, a subsidy. Um, net, it's actually estimated to benefit the consumers. So in the past, renewables, there was just a direct subsidy. There was a sp- for every unit of electricity, you got an extra top-up um, to incentivize what then was a mm-hmm. new industry. Now it's actually more just about providing that guarantee. That'll bring forward more investment. We estimate to get to to our our proposed 2030 target of 80 percent it'll it'll take over a billion pound private investment there are people waiting to invest but they just need those those policy signals the likes of the the uk cfd being extended to northern ireland which it is we're not included currently that that will really make the difference and you you'll start to see another um boom in renewables in northern ireland okay and obviously you know when we think about renewables there is this idea that potentially well if we went to that that energy bills would go up and that they're more expensive i just wonder again if we do a bit of wee bit of fact checking here but we bit of myth busting here how true is that it, it, it's not true at all i mean yes it, it will take between four i think it, it, it's 400 million to get the 70 percent in terms of investment in the grid 650 million to get the 80 percent but if we look at the reports that have been done they assess the the net cost because that's only kind of one side of the balance sheet the thing that renewables does is it drives down the wholesale price so the the the, the price of a unit of gas will 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 go up and down and will vary um but it's always higher than the price of a unit of renewables which is zero once you build them the fuel price is zero so what renewables do is bring down the wholesale price for electricity Looking backwards, um, Beringa study shows that uh, consumers saved net around about 135 million over over 20 years. Looking forwards, NIE estimates that um, going to 70% will result in a 1% net saving for consumers on their bills. And Beringa have then um, sort of extrapolated from that and gone to 80% and said that there's an additional 50 million pound of consumer savings again that's net after all the investments in the grid the support for the cfd so Mm -hmm. yes on one side it does take support it does take incentives um but actually overall consumers are 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 saving money um and indeed one of the biggest problems and it doesn't get talked about so much is is what's known as price cannibalization the more Mm -hmm. renewables you put on the system the lower price and therefore the less attractive it becomes to invest in renewables so we could get to the point we, we we've already seen um incidents of negative prices where we're actually generators haven't effectively pay um to, to to have people use their electricity that'll become more and more frequent as as we get more and more renewables on the system so the problem will become that renewables are too cheap not that they're too expensive so that that's our future okay well above above it's cheaper let's get there if anyone's seen their recent electricity bills um what about then in terms of actually because you were talking there a wee bit about obviously the advances that have happened obviously in renewable technology and the fact that i mean looking back doing research for this podcast i mean 25 years ago the big thing against renewables was that they were expensive and that that you know solar panels or whatever they were very expensive the cost of that has just plummeted particularly over the last 10 to 15 years i mean what's been behind that has that been about government investment has it been about innovation in the private sector is it a mix of both how, how has that come about 
I mean, a big part of it is is investor certainty. You know, if if if, if you know something works, all of a sudden you can get um and you can get the finance a lot cheaper than than you can if if you're investing in something that's risky. So it's went from being something that was seen as being very risky when when people were first looking to invest to to, to something that's almost a guaranteed. Um, re- re- return. Uh, the other thing is, 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 like any kind of new technology, you start to mass produce. Um, no doubt, China, for example, uh, getting in the manufacturing sizes side has brought down costs. So you, you, you know you get that scale effect as you scale up. The the the, the kind of unit cost comes down. So um, and 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 then just advances in technology. You know, increasingly. Um, the technology is becoming more efficient. We're building bigger, um, you know, build back better. We're building back bigger, bigger turbines catch more wind, produce more electricity, and again, the unit cost becomes cheaper. So, a, a number of factors have kind of come together to really bring down those those costs, as you mentioned. Okay, okay. And I just want to know then, is is it the case? I mean, going forward, I mean, because obviously towards the latter half of this year, we'll be focusing on climate change again with COP twenty six. We'll be focusing on kind of global actions around this. I mean, do, do you think that these type of technology, I mean, uh, how, how focused are governments, and particularly our own government, the executive, and the British government as well, how focused are they on renewables as a as a way to actually achieve kind of the, the targets, the international targets that they're signed up to, obviously in Paris, but obviously they'll probably sign up to more renewed targets, obviously after uh, COP26 in Glasgow. So as governments become more committed to climate mitigation, they become more committed to renewables because, again, it is the proven technology. If we if we look at transport, yes, we're moving to electric cars um, and possibly hydrogen vehicles as well, particularly for heavy goods end. Um, but both of those require renewable electricity. If you're going to do it um, in a carbon neutral, carbon zero way, you need green electricity. Heat, we're still really, I think, working out what we're going to do with heat, but it's almost certainly going to involve greater electrification. So we have to get the renewal, the, the electricity system, as I say, the, that, that target of net zero power, um, because increasingly the demand actually for electricity is going to go up as we electrify heat, as we electrify transport. So this really is the proven solution. It, it, it's proven technology-wise, but also proven in terms of cost. So, you know, it, 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 it's it's the solution that's there, and that's why we're seeing ever greater targets um, for renewables. You know, we're Northern Ireland, we really are a bit behind um, in, in terms of policy, um, but we're hoping to see with the energy strategy, certainly all the signals from the department are we're going to see at least a 70 percent 2030 target. We're calling for 80 percent. Um, and what we're saying is actually something the department hasn't hadn't seemingly considered before now that that net zero power target we need to get that in because we can't have like we did with 2030 or sorry with 2020 where almost we have a cliff edge if we get to 2020 we can just stop we have to get to 2030 and keep going until we get the net zero power mm-hmm. and do you think i mean is it have you picked up much of an an appetite for that not just amongst politicians but within obviously because there there are sectors here that uh, that are outside of government are you i mean are you seeing the the momentum? I know you were saying that it's kind of ebbed back a wee bit, but are you seeing the? It, is there a desire to pick kind of pick pick up again and get the momentum going again? I think uh, the, I mean the department when it consulted consulted around a seventy percent target with possible revision up to to eighty percent. Uh, colleagues of mine in Wind Energy Ireland and uh, were were lobbying about two years ago for a seventy percent target in the Republic of Ireland and got it. 
but it's now becoming outdated. It's almost certainly going to be revised up, and and I do think we really need to shift the conversation to net zero power rather than twenty thirty as a staging post, and and we should you know we're calling for an eighty percent target. We should have a target for then, but it has to be about the final goal of getting the net zero power. And I don't think that I I think we're leading that conversation in renewable NI. I don't think it's been a mainstream conversation yet, but. As I mentioned before, if the CC are calling for it, it's only a matter of time before it, it filters the policymakers, particularly in, in Northern Ireland as we get a, a climate act. Whichever way, whichever um, bill gets gets to the finish line, you know, once we start to, to set a, a, a climate target, things like net zero power will automatically flow from it. So I think we're leading the agenda on this. We, we, we um, will be publishing a report in September by Baringa that shows the steps how we get the net zero part because we, we know how to get the 80%. It really is just more of the same. But h then how do you get to that that complete? How do you, how do you dr let the gas um, sort of plant drop off? And, and we're going to produce a report to show how to do that. And, that. and that's obviously important. It's one thing calling for it. It's another thing showing how it's been done. Baringa's done that work. Um, they they they've they've shown the, the the types of steps that are needed to go from eighty percent to a fully um, decarbonized mm -hmm. power system and and I think hopefully when the department see the evidence see see the how as well as the what that that they'll they'll see that that's uh, you know a sensible target and one we need to uh, put in place. So obviously the really important bit for you then and and very much your message is about we need to focus on the final destination rather than the kind of staging because obviously one of the interesting things about the, you referenced the debate around the current climate change bill um, and again very much the discrepancy seems to be between those who want kind of more staging posts incremental approaches and those who are like no okay final destination is what we need to be focused on it's the horizon we need to be i mean do, do, do you think that um, that that the mindsets are shifting toward that kind of final death. I mean, we're even seeing, even in the UK, I mean, when Michael Gove was the uh, environment secretary, you know, he was obviously making the pledge about all cars becoming electric by, I think it was by 2035, the UK will, will no longer have diesel uh, cars. Again, so again, very much a final destination approach. Yeah, I mean, you need both. So Mary produced a report um, from University College Cork um, called, I think it was Zero by 50, and showing what a net zero Ireland looked like. And, and they'd lovely wee graphs, hard to show in a demonstrate in a broadcast, but they showed that you can get the net zero 2050 either with urgent action now or actually with, with back end in it. And if you back end it, you produce twice as much carbon emissions as if you front end it. So mm -hmm. how we get there is important. It, it is the end destination, but it's also, uh, it is important to have those staging posts um, as well. I mean, really, look, I, I think I, I've thought this in the past, but I feel it now. We really need the act in this decade, you know, and, and we're already, by the time we get an energy strategy, we'll already be two years into it, you know. Um, so you know, we, we still all talk about 10 years, but actually we're halfway through 2021. We really do need to get moving fast, and it, it is what we do now until 2030 that will make the difference. If we wait till 2030, I, you know, I become really pessimistic. Yeah, and obviously, because that, that's that, that's going to be my final question to you about, um, you know, climate scientists do say that this is the key decade, and this is the this is really the time if we're going to um, uh, right the ship. Um, how confident are you 
um, at this hour, it's hard. I know in twenty twenty one, the we're only we're, we're only seventeen months into into this decade. But but how how confident are you that in the next year to eighteen months we can start getting the right policy decisions made to get us to where we need to be? In in one sense, it's already too late. We're seeing the impacts of climate change now. The, these warnings have been coming for um, you know. 40 years um, and we're only really starting to take them seriously now so the things that are happening now are for all the mistakes we've made over the past 40 years and not listen to climate scientists but we you know it is one of those we, we we are where we are and we have an opportunity to to mitigate the worst impacts and and I, I am confident that we will do that I do think the Paris Agreement was a step change in global politics I think America um, signing back up to Paris is 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 a step change I think if we if we look at China as becoming one of the largest well the largest producer although it, it's it's also largest country in the world uh, to some extent but you know uh, China was always seen as the excuse not to do anything it's no longer an excuse they they, they are leading in renewables so um, all those things are coming together um, and you know I suppose my bit is to make sure Northern Ireland is part of that and it's not dragging its feet as it, it has in so many other policy issues that we're we're there we're we're if not leading we're at least in the in the mainstream of action well let's just hope that we don't uh, we don't fall behind and actually can keep the momentum going on it was nice to hear at the start that uh, that we actually exceeded a target um, um there for, and we, and for we don't shout about it because renewables became almost something that government didn't want to talk about because of rhi but you know, it was an incredible achievement to hit, hit almost 50% in 2020 when the target was 40%. And we did it cheaper. We, we had a report that showed we did it cheaper than what was, was forecast. So, you know, we, we produce returns for consumers. We produce clean, green electricity. We have a success story that we don't shout about. Um, let, let, let's, let's start shouting about it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's keep the momentum going. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for coming along and actually sharing your insights with us as we've been talking to Stephen Agnew from Renewables NI. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thanks very much, David. Thank you for listening to the Keep Northern Iron Beautiful podcast. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button so you can be reminded of future episodes. 